All right, if you want to go with me to Psalm chapter 84, if you brought your Bible or on the Bible app on your phone, that is all good. Join me there, Psalm 84. We're in this this day, kind of it's in between the two years almost. The message today is in between two series. It's all, all you know, kind of looking back and looking forward. And just throughout this week, I've been brought back to this psalm as one that's really helped center me on what, what God has for me. And I think it'll be helpful for you and for our church as well. So a little background on Psalm 84. It's a psalm that was, uh, it's a psalm of pilgrimage. So a song that is sung as the Jewish people would travel from wherever their home was to Jerusalem, to the temple for festivals. So they would sing and celebrate this song on their way from home up to the mountain or up to the mountaintop of where Jerusalem sets, where the temple was. And so this is a song of pilgrimage from one place to the house of God. Now, we don't necessarily travel like that. You, I mean, you drove here today. Uh, maybe you sang some worship songs on the way here. I don't know. But it's not the same kind of thing, right? We don't live in a culture where every year we make annual trips to the one temple, the one altar, the one place of God's presence. We know that, that God is wherever we are. So if you're watching online right now, his spirit is as much there with you in your home as it is right here with us. So as we talk about this pilgrimage that that the verses will reference a lot, it's not just a physical thing. For us today, this is a, a movement in our own lives that I would pilgrimage or I would move from where I've been, who I've been in the past into the life and future that God has for me. It takes some steps. It takes some change. I don't know about you, but I'll at least say for me, I was not born perfect. Close. (laughs) But my wife and son are in the front row, and they would dispute that as well. It takes some effort to follow after God. It takes some change in our lives. And so that same pilgrimage that they would take physically, we get to walk out in our lives. So we're going to read this psalm in a few sections, and then we'll go back through it. So let's start. We'll read this first section, verses 1 through 4. The, the psalmist starts, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. All right, so I got to stop. I know I said I was going to go through, but I got to stop for just one disclaimer, okay? Because I can't read that first line without some of you who have been Christians for a while, late 90s, early 2000s, automatically start singing a song in your head. Me too, throughout this whole week. So for some of you, this will be good news. Some of you, this will be very sad. This is not the song we're closing the service in. Sorry, Scott. I know as soon as I, Spotify has it, you'll be able to find it. All right. There's a song written out of this. It doesn't matter. Just three people got the joke. We're moving on. Psalm 84, verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have your young, her young, a place near your altar. 
Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. So a few pieces here on on kind of what this psalm is about, that they would travel from where they've been, right? They're traveling to get to the temple, to God's presence, that this is their focus. For them, 2,800 or so years ago when this is written, 2,500 years, that, 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 that focus would be a physical move. But hopefully for us, this is a daily desire for us. Certainly in verse 2, he says, My soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God that I've got to get to the place where God is, that there is nothing for the psalm writer. There is nothing more important than being in this place. And I know all of you are, you're, you're just, you're right there with him, right? You have nailed this part. For me, it's a little bit more of a struggle. Sometimes, right, if we're honest, sometimes this verse should be a challenge to us. That my heart and soul would yearn and even faint to be close to the Lord. But this is the most important thing that we could ever chase after. There is no other place, no other location, nothing else that could ever fulfill your life like having a close relationship with the Lord. I mean, you could look back on 2023, your calendar or your bank statements, and it'll tell you what has your soul and heart been longing for? What has your flesh been crying out for? Where have you spent your money? Where has your time gone and your focus been on? Has it been on getting closer to the Lord? Or has it been on other things. And it doesn't mean that those other things are necessarily bad, but the best thing for you and I is to say that my soul would yearn and even faint to be close to God, to be able to receive from him, to be near him. And verse 3 says, even the the sparrow and they have a home, the physical nest being made at, at the temple, Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Oh, just a little kind of background here. This psalm and most of the Old Testament is written originally in Hebrew. And there are two different words in Hebrew for blessed or blessing. One of them is like a religious blessing, a religious rite that you would go through and the the priest would bless you or or, or something like that. But this word that's used every time in Psalm 84 is the word asherah, which is a blessing that's an image of like the happiness and hope that flows out of experiencing God's presence. So the psalm writer says that they are blessed because they are with God, that they are close to God, that they are in God's presence, that this is the blessing that they get to receive. This is why for them, physically, they want to travel to the temple because that's where I go to be close to God. That's where I go to get to be near God, to be in God's presence, that nothing could separate, nothing would separate me from being able to be close to him. Now we know it's a little different 
today, right? That you can be close to God wherever, but that blessing comes from being with him. And I love that there's a difference in the two types of blessing, that this isn't just the religious thing. When uh, I, I grew up in, in church, and, and uh, when I lived in Kentucky, when I was about your age, Desden, my son, uh, 12, 13, we would uh, vacation about an hour and a half out of the city. My parents had a trailer on, on Rough River Lake, and so we'd spend a lot of our weekends, us and some neighbors and friends, there were a few families that had trailers on the same street, on the same lake, so we'd all leave and head out of town, and uh, there wasn't many churches out in the sticks in Kentucky, uh, but they, one of the families was a Catholic family, and there was a Catholic church there, so sometimes we would go with them to service. Same, same gods, different style, different uh, rituals and traditions, but, but still able to worship God and receive his blessing, the other kind, the, the first kind, this religious blessing. So one day they did a communion. And in the Catholic tradition, I don't know if COVID has changed this, but back in the 90s when that song about this psalm was being written, I had to bring back the joke just for myself and somebody over here that snickered with me. Uh, (laughs) This is how my mind works, y'all. So we went for service at this Catholic church. They did communion where the priest places the wafer in your mouth as you kind of go down the lion. In the Catholic Church, it's a very big deal who is handing out communion, how that is done, and all the practical pieces for it. So my dad, a good Protestant guy, took the communion wafer from the priest and went and sat down in his seat and prayed. He had this intimate moment with God, right? This verse two was always very true of my, my father. I got to grow up in a house watching this play out, but he wanted to have this intimate moment with the Lord, experience his blessing in an intimate way, a closeness, a relational kind of way, not just a ritualistic rite like the church was doing there. And so he did get to have that moment and experience that with the Lord. And then on our way out, we were greeted by the priest, and, and long story short, there's a Catholic church up by Rough River in Kentucky that still has a photo of my dad up that says, this guy not allowed in. We were told by the priest, you cannot come back. You're not allowed to come back until if you want to become a Catholic, come on, you're in. But otherwise, sir, you and your family don't come back. So... I told that in first service, and mom said that actually happened twice. I guess we're kicked out. I don't remember the other time. So apparently my family not allowed in multiple churches in Kentucky. I don't know what we were doing up there. This blessing of being close to God is what hopefully drives us in the decisions that we make and the ways that we look at this upcoming year. That I would say, I want to be, what, what do you want most out of this year? I want God's blessing, not, not financially, not I want God to, to give me a lot of money, not I need God to give me kids or make my kids behave or whatever. Like, those are all fine things. But the most important thing, the best way that God could bless me in this next year is this blessing of his presence, of intimacy with him, of being close to him, blessed are those who dwell in your house. Happy and fulfilled 
are those who experience your goodness, God, by being close to you, by being near you. This psalmist loves the house of God, but even more, he loves the God of the house. That that's what characterizes his life, his passions, his hopes. It's a good goal for this upcoming year. Say, all right, I want my life to be focused after him. He carries on. Same word in verse 5, blessed, same uh, Hebrew word. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools, and they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Again, all the physical travel metaphors for us, but actual physical travel pieces for them that they are traveling from home to get closer to God, but there's a problem, right? I wish I could promise you today that as you say, all right, I'm going to give my 2024 over to God. It's going to be a year where I'm going to be focused on, on a closer relationship, a more intimate relationship with him. Then, man, you'll have it and everything will go great for you. God will just make everything work out. It'll be peace and joy and his favor throughout the entire year and you will never struggle. Now there is some of that and we'll see that in a few minutes when we get to verses uh, 10 and 11. But to get there, you have to go through the valley of Baca. You've been there, right? Okay, uh, maybe not. So let's, let's look at what is that. There are two different theories on what that place is. One, it could be a physical place. This psalm was written a long time ago, many, many years. We don't know if there, like, is there a physical valley that used to be called Baca? Maybe. But that word Baca can also be translated tears. It could be as I travel through the valley of tears. Either way, in a physical traveling sense, it's when I travel through a difficult location. That when I travel through something, when I face hardship, because when you set out from where you are to say, I want to get closer to God, then you will face hardship because you will have an enemy who wants to slow you down or even stop you from getting there. But the psalmist says, blessed are those whose strength is in you. It's never about my own strength. Right? And in a physical journey, there is things that they could do to train and be ready to walk that path. They could physically be strong enough to walk that way. But that's not the strength that they need. That's not the strength that you and I today need to get closer to God. Blessed, happy, and fulfilled in God's presence are those whose strength is in him. And that's so important because there are hard moments that you and I will go through that we could never get on our own. We could never survive. We could never make it through. We could never make the right choices, the wise decisions, the best ways without having God's strength to get us through. And isn't it such a good thing that he gives it to us, that he provides for us to be able to get through 
Because as they pass through the Valley of Tears, the Valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. I love this. That not only do they travel through the difficult, hard places, but while they're in the middle of them, you know what they're doing? They're making it better. That's what it means to make it a valley of springs, to turn the valley of tears into the valley of springs, a valley of a place where I could find restoration for my soul. That not only does God give us strength to get through the difficult moments, but that we could also turn those moments into blessings for others. And I love that picture so much. I think of veterans of the faith who I've known, who've gone before me. Some of you in this room, or or, or, I mentioned Kim and Jamie are out of town up up with her father, Rick, who's one of those guys who was watching online last service. He's gone through valleys. He's gone through difficult times. In fact, they're up there this weekend. One of the reasons was because he was just ordained yesterday. As a pastor in, I don't know, mid-late 80s, I don't know how old he is. But because he pastors pastors, he cares, he, he does this, he turns difficult things into valleys of spring and, and refreshing. This morning, even, I got an encouragement text from Rick. Friday, three days ago, I got a text from Rick encouraging me with not just like a, hey, you're going to do great while, while Kim and Jamie are up here with us, but like, a, hey, Jason, I was praying, God gave me this verse for you and these thoughts, and here's my prayer for you. And he's typing all of these things out and praying for me and caring. I'm not like the only one. Like he does this for dozens and dozens of pastors throughout the country people that he meets to say, all right, how can I encourage you? He's walked through difficult moments and then said, all right, I'm going to carry on encouraging others. And I love seeing that. It's a great picture for me to say, all right, how can I do that for others? I grew up, I mentioned my dad earlier, I grew up watching my dad do this. We were living here in 2008, 2009, 07. If you were living here, you you probably remember those years as pretty difficult, uh, kind of epicenter of the financial crisis, housing crisis. My parents were in construction. Uh, that all went away really quickly. And I remember one time a, a young adult small group at their house, house I grew up in when we moved here, sitting in the living room with my dad at probably 55, um, speaking to a bunch of 18, 19-year-olds and, and just being honest and saying, hey, I'm 55. I don't know what God's going to do with the rest of my life. I don't know what comes next. I don't know how to take the next steps. And then he spent the next hour encouraging us younger ones and saying, but I know that God's been faithful and he still will be faithful. I know that God will still walk us out. And I got to sit there and watch that happen. He didn't know that his story would end within a year. My dad would, would pass away from cancer shortly after that. But yet in those moments, still finding a way, going through bankruptcy, life in turmoil, everything upside down to say, hey, how can I encourage? And I've watched my mom in the 15 years since continue to carry that out, to care for those in grief, to say, all right, I've got some extra freedom now as 
You know, my brother and I are, are, are older and self-sufficient, and she can travel and care for people in need and, and love on people in really difficult situations after she's walked them out. That we walk through the valley of tears, the valley of Baca, the valley of pain, not in our own strength, but in the strength of God, so that we can turn it into a valley of refreshment for others. Verse 7, they go from their strength to his strength until each appears before God in Zion, until each completes their physical journey that they're traveling on. It's never how strong am I, but how strong is he. I love Philippians 1.6 that says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on into completion until the day of our Lord Christ Jesus. That even though we walk through the valleys, that when God starts that work, when God, start, when God calls us to pilgrimage, to change our lives, to change our futures, to change what our dreams and hopes are, that he is faithful to walk every step of the way with us. Every step of the way. That he who began a good work, and it is a good work. It might be a difficult work, but it is a good work that he is faithful to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, that he walks with us, that he provides the strength. In the vineyard, we have this saying, the way in is the way on. That, that in faith, the way that you come to faith is the way that your faith will be carried out because all of us come to God in weakness, when you first come to faith, you recognize, you, it will, we'll, we'll do it at the end of this service, where we'll say, I say yes to Jesus as my Lord. You're saying, I'm surrendering my life, I'm surrendering my strengths to follow after God, to follow after him, to let him lead and guide me. And so we say the way in, that way is the way on, that, that we continue to be dependent on his strength. That you don't get to a spot where you've learned enough, figured out enough, done, gone through enough tests to say, all right, now I've got this. Thanks, God, for getting me here. Now I'll take it from here. If we're honest, we all do that. This half of the room, maybe, maybe not you guys. I don't know. Y'all didn't laugh. You weren't there. We all do this, but you know, the way in is the way on that we need that verse 5, blessing, blessed are those whose strength is in you. Verse 7, they go from strength, their strength, to your strength. God, that we would be dependent on his strength to get us through. Verse 8 and 9, we're not going to spend much time, or any time here really, I'm going to read them, but this is a, in the middle of this, a prayer for their physical king. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Good prayer to pray for those in, in leadership over us. I just, I have a timer, so I don't have time to spend. I got to cut somewhere. Verse 10, better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God that dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. 
the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. A lot of really good stuff in those verses. The psalmist centers us again with this focus on intimacy and closeness with God. Better is one day in your courts, God, than a thousand elsewhere, a thousand anywhere else. Similar to verse 2, my soul yearns and even faints to be near you. God, better is one day with you than almost three years of any other type of blessing. How crazy is that? But how true is that as well? That there is nothing else that could ever satisfy, nothing else that could ever bless and provide for your life in the way that God can in one day. The peace that God can bring in one encounter with him is worth more than you could make in the next three years is worth more for your soul and your future than any other thing could provide for you over a thousand days of effort for it. That nothing like that would ever compare to just one moment with the Lord. He says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. He says, this this is the best thing for me. That I'd rather be a greeter at the entrances. Those of you who greeted today, come on, you're in. You've got, you're, you're talked about in the psalm. He says, I'd rather do that than, than have all the false blessings of a wicked life. I would rather just serve in a humble way than to have all the goodness that comes Goodness, in quotations, that comes from a wicked life. That, that there are things. You can force blessings into your life. You can choose to live with a different focus, a different direction, eyes on something other than intimacy with God, and you can force things that seem good at the time into your life. It'd be foolish to say otherwise, right? It's not that anybody who doesn't love God suffers consistently in this life, but it is not the real blessing that God has for us. And it is certainly not an eternal blessing that God would pour out on us on into the future. He says there is one focus. It's better to serve God than to live like a king in the tents of the wicked. And that's just anything that would pull us away from hearing God's voice, from growing in him, from being with him. And then I love this picture in verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. I know in a lot of ways for different people throughout this room, 2023 could have been a really difficult year. You might have walked through some really hard things. There was a, a, a dad in this last service down here with his adult son. They finally got him to come down here. They've been up in Virginia back home for two months after mom passed away. 67 years of marriage. And they're up there caring for dad, trying to help him just pick up the pieces to be able to move forward in life. 2023 could have been a really difficult year for you. 
You might have felt the cold, harsh reality of the world around you in a lot of painful ways. But verse 11 reminds us that the Lord God is a sun and shield, that he provides all that we need to be able to get through those difficult, hard moments. That he will be the sun when you need light, when you need warmth, when you need guidance, when you need comfort from him, that he will be there with you. Or when you need protection, when you need an army, a warrior around you, strength, that he will be those things in your life. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. And this is the focus for us to say, all right, how do I get to be closer to him? How do I get to be in that blessed, intimate, happy, fulfilled relationship with him? It's just by receiving from him. In that relationship, the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold. So let's pause there because that's a hard one. To, to justify, right? There are always things that seem like they would be good. Some of us who are older can look at our, our high school and middle school students and say, sometimes something that seems good in the moment, you get a little bit past it and you look back and say, no, that wasn't going to be a good thing, right? I'm glad that God didn't give me all that I wanted at all times. No, the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold. If something is withheld by God, that means it wouldn't have been good for you. That means it wouldn't have gotten you closer to him. It might have been something that felt good in the moment, but it's not going to help you grow in your relationship with him. It's not going to help you on this journey from where you were to where God wants you to be. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. I know you're waiting on the disclaimer that you've got to be good enough to earn it, right? From those whose walk is blameless. This, this whole thing, you're just, in, in religion, we're just trying to, to force you into something. That's a rough translation. It's, not, it's, it's the right word, but not the right context for how we view that word. What it means is no good thing does he withhold from those who walk in his path. To be blameless in this sense of that Hebrew word is to say, I'm following the path that God has laid out for me. I'm following, I'm walking down the road that he has placed me on. And to be blameless in that sense is to walk in the direction that he has pointed you in. To not turn around and go back. Now you've gone the wrong direction. You've gone the opposite way. That would be the, the wrong side of this. It's not that you live a perfect life. It's that your life is flowing in the direction that God has pointed you in. It's that your life is moving in the way that God has called you to be. No good thing does he withhold from those who follow after him. You want blessing. You want goodness. You want hope for 2024, you want to see the favor of God in this next year, then follow him. In one sense, it's that simple. Often that can be a difficult thing, but it's the calling that he places on us to say, all right, 
follow me. Let's walk this out. No good thing in that moment does he withhold. And then verse 12, he says, Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. So there were there are two, two words that are repeated throughout this psalm. Right? That word blessed we already talked about happens three times. It's the same word each time, meaning that close intimacy with God. And we're going to come back and land the plane in that spot in a moment. But Lord Almighty, he's called that. He calls God Lord Almighty four times throughout these 12 verses. That's a lot. That's a lot of times to repeat that name throughout here. It says, Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. You are blessed when you trust in God. So just to give you a little bit more encouragement in being able to trust him, that phrase, that name, Lord Almighty, let me tell you what that means. In the older translations, it says, Lord of hosts which doesn't really help us too much in 2023. I don't know what that means. So let's go back a little bit farther. It means Lord or God of the armies of heaven. The hosts of heaven would be the armies of heaven. So throughout this psalm, he references Yahweh. That's why Lord is in all caps. It's the name of God. Yahweh of the armies of heaven. This is who we're talking about getting close to. This warrior God that Jamie talked about a few weeks ago with the sword drawn. And Bill, could you put up that picture for us again? No, we're not, we don't have the picture still. That, that picture that we kept coming back to, the warrior God who is powerful in battle, in battle and controls the armies of heaven. This is the God that you are blessed when you trust in him. He is so strong, so powerful that there is nothing you can trust him for that he can't provide. There is nothing you can cry out to him in need of that he is too weak to provide. There is no enemy that you will ever face, no difficult situation, no valley of tears or pain that you will come up against that he is not strong enough to carry you through. He is the Lord Almighty, the Lord who is the God of the armies of heaven. And this is who we get to chase after in this upcoming year. This is who will bless your life in this upcoming year. But I want to close not there, but in the beginning of the psalm. In verse 2, it says, My soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And that's a great, if that could be your year, this upcoming year, it would change everything for you. But I want to read that verse backwards as well, because it still applies. That God's soul yearns and even faints to be close to you that his heart and his flesh cry out for you. And I can read that backwards because we've just come through Christmas where we've seen God send his son, literally put on flesh, 
like John 1 tells us, to have a relationship with you, to see you, to be with you, that this Lord of armies, this God who has all the strength and power isn't some faraway God who would like for you to live blamelessly and perfect and do everything the right way. It's a God who said, I'm going to come and be with my people right in the middle of the valley of tears. That I'm going to be there to care for them and carry them. That he loves you that much. That he would chase after you. That he would call you out. That he would care about how you live your life this upcoming year. Because he wants to bless you in the greatest ways possible. And the only ways that we get to receive those blessings is by following after him. The psalmist And verse 3 says again, Lord Almighty, Lord of the armies of heaven, my King and my God. And I'd hope you'd be able to say that same phrase. That as we close today, that you can say, He is my King. He is my God. It requires a surrender out of us to say, all right, I'm not going to be on the throne anymore. It's not going to be about me. I'm not going to do my own things. No, he's going to be king. That means I'm going to do what the king says. He's going to be my God. I'm going to do what he calls me to do. I'm going to surrender my life. I'm going to surrender my 2024 and beyond. And say, okay, God, if you want this relationship with me, then I want it with you. Come be my king. Come be my God. There is no better way that you could end this year than by saying, all right, I'm in. I give you authority. I surrender over to you. I want you to lead and care for me. And he does. He shows up immediately in those moments and says, let's go. I've got this life, this blessing for you to walk into. But it comes with our surrender over to him. And so we're going to close in a moment of prayer. And I'm going to encourage you maybe to pray along with me. If you've never had that moment of surrender to say, all right, I want you, Jesus, to be my God, my King, not just the God around the God of the universe, not just the God out there, but my God personally involved in my life. And I'm going to give you a chance to say a prayer with me, and then we're going to close in a moment of worship, and we'll have an opportunity to to do that, to say, all right, I say yes to Jesus as my Lord. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you are so faithful in our lives. Lord, that you choose to love us and care for us with your strength and your grace. Even in our most difficult moments. And so, Father, as we look back on this last year and places where we've been focused in our own ways... Lord, we, we surrender them, we, we ask for forgiveness, and we look ahead into the new year for you to lead us and to guide us. 
Father, that you would be my king, my God, our king, our God, not just out there far away, but Lord, that we would see you closely. Father, that we would have that blessing of a close connection and relationship with you. Jesus, you are so good in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you care for us and that you love us. Lord, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.